You're listening to The Above the Mug Show, a podcast that highlights people whose passions drive their life. My name is Lucas Spinoza, and I own a coffee shop. Every day I meet dozens of interesting people, and today I sit down with one of them to inspire you to live your life passion forward. What is going on, everybody? It's your friend Lucas Spinoza coming at you from The Black Sheep. And you are listening to Above the Mug, a podcast for positive people. And we're here to show you how you can use your passions to live your life passion forward. Today, as always, joined by an incredibly special guest, we have Natalie Crusoe. (laughs) She's a hairstylist and the owner of Little Shop of Beauty in Niagara Falls, Canada, Canadian side of the water there. Uh, How in the hell are you? Sorry, what's that? How in the hell are you? I'm doing so good. So happy to be back to work and off the couch and doing all the things that I love most. So it's been great. It's been really great having the time off to relax and reflect and think of new ideas and creative outlets and do a lot of things that I never had the time to before. And now that I'm back to work, I just feel so much more refreshed and rejuvenated and ready to take on all that life has to offer. That's amazing. So you can obviously tell that this table is longer than people (laughs) think it is because you couldn't even hear me, which tells you (laughs) it's got to be, we're pretty far away. Yes. Uh, But anyway, I think you started on a good note. I don't like focusing too much on COVID, but it is important, I think, to talk a little bit about how things have changed because that's part of business, right? Is so many things get thrown your way and you have to deal with it. Some people choose to sit and roll over. Others choose to push forward and and get uh, creative. And I know you did a little bit of that. So Obviously, with uh, with your business, everything shut down. Yeah. Same thing with my brother's st- type of business when you're in fitness and stuff like that. Gyms are done. Yeah. So what did you do? You were down for, what, three months, right? So we were down for five months. Five months? Yeah, we were down for five months. We were included in... Um, so we have a hair portion of the salon and then we have an aesthetics. So the hair per- portion was set to phase two. Mm-hmm. And then our aesthetics, which is generally microblading and eyelash extensions, was set to phase three. So we did not open until July, early July, and then end of July for the aesthetics. So it was a solid five months of just being outside of work. <laughs> so you didn't open at all uh, for the phase two side of things? No. So we, we did things slowly. We got um, the go ahead for phase two to uh, first week of July and we decided to take an extra week to kind of figure out exactly what the new protocols Mm -hmm. were, um, what all of the sanitary precautions were going to be, all the new changes and really make sure that that we were ready. And so we took that extra week and opened up uh, second uh, to third week of July. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what did you do when you were closed? Were you so, scheming, plotting, did you, did you <laughs> alternative sources of revenue? There was a lot of plotting. I would say the first month was a solid... You could re- say vacation. Yeah, it was <laughs> a vacation. You know what? It took me a while because genuinely I thought it was going to last two weeks. When we were told we would be off work, I was like, hey, it's two weeks to relax. Just take some time. And I was, I was pushing all my clients back just by a week. Like I wasn't telling them, give it a few months. I was like, give it a week. We'll get back to work. Everything will be great. And then things started getting real, real real fast and um, canceled all my appointments letting them know pending when we receive more notice and the first month was really just vacationing I've never taken more than a week off um, of work since I've owned my salon so it's been four years now and so I really took the time to reflect kind of relax and just compose myself and then I would say things got a little rough uh, second month leading into the five months Mm -hmm. of just kind of figuring out what it would be like and how non-intimate things would be because in a salon environment especially being an inclusive safe space we really take the time during our consults to sit with our guests and really have that time of reflection to make sure that what we're doing is genuinely what they want and we were forced to remove our waiting room uh we were forced to remove all of the product off of our shelves and just really reconform the entire salon and so 
it was a lot of plotting during the five months. I um, really wanted to get my muscle memory back, so I worked a lot inside of the salon working on mannequins. Um, I have some students that I teach. Um, I'm an international educator, national educator for a John Paul Mitchell system. So I did a lot of virtual teaching, which is really outside of my comfort zone. Anything virtual, camera talking is really uncomfortable for me. You sound comfortable now. Right? I feel like now after five months of practicing, <laughs> things are a little different. But I was able to do that and just kind of reconform everything from how we speak to our guests, how we book our clients, uh, redesigning our entire website and doing things that I've always wanted to do but never quite had the time to sit down outside of work and do. So we were able to get a new website. I was able to post a lot of quarantine mannequins and find out new ways to put things on our shelf that didn't... Um, that wasn't uh, non-COVID approved. Sweet. So, yeah. No, that's really awesome. You touched on a number of points I want to get into, but yeah. I, I want to start with uh, the first one, which you talked about being an all-inclusive safe, yes. safe space. So what does that mean for your business and why, why do you think it's so important? So um, our safe space starts with being uh, gender neutral. Mm -hmm. So we were the first gender neutral salon in, in all of Ontario. Very and what cool. that means is um, when you're calling in to book an appointment, we don't, I don't really like the term, but we don't really segregate you into a men's or a woman's cut. We just ask what your length and thickness of your hair is. So if you're wanting a pixie cut, it's not a men's clipper cut, it's just a pixie cut. If you're wanting a long length haircut, it's just a long length haircut. It doesn't categorize you into woman's haircut. And so this is something that I noticed um, really earlier on in my career, working in salon spaces and working for other people is, I felt like when people were calling in and, and booking for salons, you know, they necessarily maybe didn't want to use a specific pronoun or they wanted to use a specific pronoun and they didn't want to be categorized for something that didn't fit who they were. And I really wanted to banish all of the labels and all of the names and make it a space where you can come in and it's just about you. It's just about your hair and your texture. It has nothing to do with your gender. And so that's what makes us more safe space. I would say we're a lot more safer now that COVID has come out sure, because yeah. now we have a lot more intense protocols and sanitations but our, our inclusivity started with being allies for lgbtq plus being allies for humans in general we're vegan friendly and cruelty free as well so we try and include a different demographic that isn't necessarily touched upon in the industry um, people are always looking for things that just smell good that not not necessarily do everything or are environmentally friendly or eco-friendly or eco-conscious. So sure. we wanted to make sure that who we were as individuals spoke as who we were within our work. So mm -hmm. yeah, we're inclusive, we're LGBTQ plus allies, we're gender neutral, we're vegan friendly, cruelty free. You're touching and, on everything. Yeah, right? Constantly trying to add to that list. I think it's important, and another thing you said there, you're just nailing these here. <laughs> it's important as a business, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, to understand what your values are as Absolutely. a business. And I think there's a lot of camps. You know, it's typically a duality. So you've got one camp over here and another camp over here. And one says, well, if you're going to be pride supporters, that means that, you know, you don't have anyone that falls into like just straight. It's like, yep. well, no, that's not the case. And then people will say that if you don't label yourself or have a, a, a flag sticker on the front door that you don't want uh, people that from the LGBTQ2 plus community right. there. And that's wrong. Also, I think, you know, having understanding what your values are yep. and being uh, unapologetic, I think Absolutely. is the word I want about Absol that, especially right? Especially nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to, and, and as a business owner, I find that's always such a struggle of wanting to please everyone because you're a business, you want to be open to everyone mm -hmm. and wanting to follow with what society is. And it's not always the right way. So I always feel like, 
if if I'm an inclusive person, the best way to show that is through my business and through the work that I do. Yeah, sure. And the people that want to come will come and the ones that don't believe in it won't. So it's a good little scanning and transition for the ones that It's a great vetting you know, process, exactly, you understand. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a, a another great point. So when you first started doing this, did you find there was any resistance or opposition to having that kind of space available on Queen Street? Um I thought, you know what? It was quite easy. I feel like Queen Street in general in the last, so we've been open for four years now, but in the last like five years, I would say there's a lot of businesses that are opening with a younger demographic, a demographic that's really wanting to set themselves apart and really wanting to make a name for themselves. So I've genuinely had a really great sense of community opening up my business, a really great sense of welcoming. And I'm so grateful for the guests um, and the supporters that I do have because they literally embody the inclusivity that we, that we, that we title, like they literally are exactly who we say we are. We're, mm-hmm. we're inclusive, they're inclusive. We, And there's there's always that, that person that, you know, they're gonna wanna go to a place that is strictly a men's cut or that is strictly a woman's cut or, or a spa environment or a men's environment. And so I really wanted to find something that was unique, that no one had, and that myself, I would feel safe being myself in this space because mm-hmm. I know that's what attracts People. Like if you're in a safe space, safe people are going to come to you. And yep. so manifestation, good vibes. They say good vibes attract good tribes. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> I love it. And that's, a, that's something I found with our place when we first opened the Black Sheep is, especially in Welland, and me being a guy and on that, yep. a, a straight Italian guy, yep. you know, I'm top of the hierarchy, uh, hierarchy, I can't even say that word, <laughs> hierarchical spectrum uh atop of of the social food chain right Right. so the the highest in privilege you could possibly get socially and so when we started doing things at the black sheep to help uh make other people feel more comfortable that don't fall into maybe more commonly known social norms uh people were confused by it or some people thought that we were doing it just for attention or whatever and i i found it surprising that there was any pushback or people thought there was weird motives to it even if there was some weird alternative motive that wouldn't take away from the fact that it's still providing something that wasn't already there absolutely Mm -hmm. and I feel like you'll always have that you'll have people that are second guessing if something is successful and positive people are always going to second guess if it's on trend or if you're a trailblazer or Mm -hmm. simply you want to do good for your community and you want to stand out and I feel like that's so common with the LGBTQ plus community is when there is an outreach or there is uh, an event, you know, people tend to think that it's just spotlighting what's on trend and not necessarily what's been, you know, hidden and misunderstood for generations and generations. And for, for myself, the, the main reason why we became inclusive is because I have a sister who is gay and proud. And when she was cutting her hair, she she feared the idealism of chopping her hair off would make her look like a man mm. or it would categorize her into something that she wasn't. And so really sitting down and having that moment to explain to her that you are not your haircut and if you want to be your haircut, make it what you are. And so it's just things like this. And I think that if we, as business owners, if we keep doing what we know is doing well for the community, what's successful for ourselves, what's successful for our guests and the people that do support us, all the ones that just talk in the background are just background noise. And that's sure. kind of what pushes me forward, especially having that setback 
for five months. It really made me think, okay, what's our new approach? What can we do that's gonna please everyone? And at the end of the day, you're not gonna please everyone. So if pleasing the ones that have come to you and support you, that should be enough. Mm-hmm. In my case, I am my haircut, unfortunately. Yep. But right, you make <laughs> I, it what you are, right? Like it is what you are. Yep. It's, it's actually this podcast logo too. <laughs> I so love that. I got nervous because I started going bald. Luckily for me, it's in the back. So I'm like, oh no, how am I gonna do this? So now I just shave the rest of my head. I love and, it. And keep the hair up. But uh, no, I, th- I think that's a, an important thing to do. When, when we first started here, so many people were confused about it. Um, and I think when you, that's the point I was trying to make with this, is when you fall into a social category that I would as a straight white guy, yep. especially of European descent, other people in that category will come up to you and feel as if they can trust you with things that are slightly more racist or yep. slightly more homophobic because they're like, well, he'll get it. He'll understand. Right. So people will say, oh, like, what are you doing the gay thing for? Just for what reason? Yep. Oh, and I'm like, what do you mean? You know? <laughs> so I think that is all the more reason why it's important because Absolutely. there's, there's Absolutely. that quiet intolerance that I think is more harmful and more dangerous Absolutely. than the stuff you can see. Cause at least you know where to avoid, yep. you know, that's, that's the difference I like to point out between Canadians and Americans. Americans are proud, uh, or at least unapologetic about their views. If, the, if it's about guns or abortion or religion yep. or whatever, they they're going to tell you case. straight out. Yep. But Canadians have a shy intolerance that I think can be more damaging because Absolutely. we can't look at it, recognize it, and do something about it yep. a lot of the time. Sometimes you have to discover it, and that's weird. And I didn't really see it too much until we started hiring people who didn't mm. fit that. So we have a, a guy named, I, actually, I shouldn't say his name. We have a guy <laughs> who works for us who has autism, right? Okay. And uh, an amazing and valuable member of our team. We have uh, people that fall under the LGBTQ+. Plus we actually have two employees that that identify as that and you know until of course i don't think much of it or anything of it in my everyday life but you know i'll be serving customers and and you notice looks and i'm like that is so weird isn't it you know like i notice it with having a weird haircut i couldn't imagine you know that being part of your identity that's who you are and then having to deal with people uh making you feel uncomfortable so i think it's great that that you provide a space like that but i want to switch gears a little bit and uh, and just focus on how you got into the beauty world in the first place. Was yep. it hair first, aesthetics first, and how did you find that? That was something you're passionate about. Yeah, so um, when I was younger, I had a severe speech impediment and was was really shy as a child, so much so that my parents thought that I might be mute or have some sort of hard time with my speech. And so um, my siblings are both incredibly great at sports. Like you could create a sport and they would be Olympians by the end of the day. And so I always felt like I had these heavy shoes to fill and just speaking was always just so difficult for me. So my mom put me in dance, like all sorts of things that you don't have to speak. You just body express, you express yourself Mm -hmm. through different movements and different outlets. And then she put me in pageants, which if you look at me now, it's so out of my comfort zone. But she put me in pageants because she's like, you can be whoever you are. You can dress like a princess. And then your next category will be mermaid, whatever you want to do. And you don't have to say anything. You just walk out, you do a pose and you come back. And so doing that for years, I winded up building the courage to speak. I winded up uh, sorting out um, help for my disability at the time and realized just how much the beauty industry has impacted my life from such a young age of, you know, 
putting on a face or um, doing my hair and just seeing the impact that it made in my bravery and in my confidence. And so I was very fortunate to know what I wanted to do from the beginning. Um, I took cosmetology throughout all of my high school and then joined Kappa, which is in St. Catharines, a hair school. And I remember, and I'll never forget it, I remember transforming a girl from just a simple long length haircut to her shoulders, but she was one of those guests that, you know, they maybe get their haircut every three years, they kind of fear the scissors. And so I remember cutting off her hair and turning the chair around and just seeing the impact that one hour did to her and what I know would do for her in the future. And so that's what really sparked everything in me is, is just the transition period between making someone's life in such a short period of time change by doing my purpose. So working with my hands, making them feel beautiful about themselves, empowering people and giving them confidence will always be something that drives me more than anything in this lifetime. So that's what sparked it, just my own confidence, feeling how it impacted me in my life from such a short young age to now and the impact that it makes on other people working every day and doing the transi transitions from, you know, my before and after photos to maybe sitting down with a guest that totally want to transform themselves and have a haircut that is their signature and maybe you know they've dreamed about it for a long time and they're fearing you know what the change will be like what the upkeep will be like and so that's what i love most about this industry and what has introduced me to it the most is just the confidence that it can bring from a simple transformation yeah that's amazing so how long did it take from starting your career in in the beauty world to actually opening your shop? Because so, you said you've been open for four years. Yeah, so right? we've been open for four years. Um, right after high school, I went into hair school. Right after hair school, I went into salons and worked at my apprentice. So after hair school, I would say it took me about... Well, including hair school, it would be five years of schooling, apprenticing, full-time. Um, and then I winded up packing my bags and going to California for a year. I felt like I needed a pause from working in so many other salons and seeing how, because I think the hairstylist world though, it's so beautiful and it's so um, transforming. It could also be so labeling and, and so vindictive <laughs> and so like it's, not as inclusive as I would like it to be, which is mm -hmm. why I created the space that I did. And I think it's so categorizing and labelizing of like what true beauty is and what real beauty is. And you know, the trends are changing like monthly as to what beauty is and, and what self love is. And so um, I needed to take a break from working from other people and working in what I felt was like a confined space. And so I moved to California for a year and just did some nannying and hair on the side and really took time to reflect and figure out if this is what I wanted to do my whole life, if I wanted to work for people my whole life, because it didn't feel like I was making an impact like I did when I was in school, when I was working for other people, because I was just, you know, finishing off their blow drives or washing out their clients. I wasn't really seeing a guest from start to finish. And so I told myself when I packed my bags and my car hits Canadian land, I'm gonna work on myself and I'm gonna work on pushing the beauty industry um, to further. And so I, applied to rent a chair in a space from uh, one of my old teachers because um, I wanted to work if I was going to work for someone I wanted it to be someone that spoke the same values and morals and mm -hmm. was on the same pace and track that I was on and so we she had a salon already opened and I rented a chair from her and in six months I was able to gain enough clientele to open the space that I have now so it's all been in the works I'm celebrating my 10 years of being in the industry um, last month That's and crazy. so yeah 10 years isn't it crazy Are <laughs> I we feel Old. Aren't we the same age though? Or <laughs> yeah, no? so I'll be 28 this year. Okay. Yeah. So I I thought you were gonna be younger than me. So I'll we're, we're take not far it. off. Because 
Yeah, so I guess you're what, 92? 92. Yeah, yep. I'm 94. Okay, okay. We're all babies, I know, exactly. I get it. We're even making children. moves. Young babies making moves. No, that's really cool, though, because I think I'm seeing a pattern here, right? Yep. So you talked about safe space, making people feel inclusive, your history and pageants, and how it was actually meant from your mom to have a confidence boost for you absolutely expressing yourself and obviously that's translated into a business where you help other people do absolutely. that so that this is actually a really cool um thing we can probably branch off on is when you hear people talk about pageants nowadays it's almost always used in a negative light absolutely. people are saying how this is um, extorting young girls yep. and you know using th them and over sexualizing them and i'm sure there's merit to some of that yep but you know you actually opened my eyes a little bit to this and saying it's not it's not, not always about that and sometimes right. it's not about that at all it's really just sometimes girls just need a little extra to make Absolutely. them feel confident yeah. get them out there um, and just make them feel in charge right because when you're on the stage it's you it's yep. your body it's your expression exactly. and, and that's really cool yeah and you know what I think it does I think it does have that negative outlook and we see it on TV all the time the crazy moms that are running around with hairspray and pulling on their kids hair to do a certain style and I'm very fortunate that my mom is really the opposite of me and has never worn makeup never done hair so when it came to pageant she was very much like whatever you want to do we're gonna do we're not here to push you we just want to build your confidence we just want you to go out there and have fun and you know from a young age I used to watch Selena and just look at her outfits and just create them with fabric and just do a bunch of things and I love how easy it is as humans how versatile it is for us to just change our appearance and the impact of how uplifting it is. And I'm sure you felt that way too when you took control and shaved your head, right? It's something you have yep. no control over, but how do I take control and make the best of this and butterfly myself out of this transformation? And I feel like that's what it was like for my confidence was I just feared talking so much because I never talked like all the other kids. I never mm -hmm. was able to express myself. So instead of trying, I just hindered myself from not doing it. And just having the spark of, oh wow, I can be a different person today, or I can be a princess today, or I can show what my inside is from the outside. I feel like it just gives people a different edge and a different set of confidence. For sure. And I think hair is probably one of the one of humanity's biggest insecurities, right? Yes. Um, men, especially sure. because of balding, but women because of social trends and whatever yep. else, maybe their the their family or maybe their friends, whatever the case may be. I, like, and you're right when you when you talk about me shaving my head, it really was that because I didn't even notice I was balding. It was one of those things where people just wouldn't tell me, right? Right. And I'm not one of those guys where I have three mirrors where I can kind of yeah. see the back of my head. I'm just like. <laughs> the door that's the end of it and my hair was kind of short anyway in the back and then I saw a picture of me at a cleanup someone was up on the road and I was down in a ditch and they did like kind of an above view okay. and I saw the picture of, of the bald spot <laughs> and I was like oh my god and from that moment on I honestly was insecure like Right. standing against walls like little things like that yeah. so I tried going shorter and shorter and my cousin's a hairdresser and so I was I went to her and they kept saying like buzz me shorter she's like it's gonna look ridiculous with your hair in the front and then nothing I'm like it's okay just go for it and um, I went down to a zero and then yep. after that I'm like it's only one there's only one way you can get shorter and that's exactly. a razor yeah and so the day I took the razor I stopped feeling insecure about Absolutely. the bald spot because it's not there anymore, yeah. right? So, And like, it's so funny that we get that insecurity, but yet, you know, 65% of people over the age of 35 lose hair or over the age of 25 lose hair. And mm. sometimes it's hereditary, sometimes it's just stress, sometimes it's anything. And it's so awful to just 
feel like we're human sometimes, yeah. right? Like it's just something that we all go through at some point in our life and taking control over um, how to feel better about ourselves by taking a razor, like that's so empowering. And I feel like it is who you are. When people think of Lucas, they think of the signature haircut. And isn't it crazy that something so little became so small? It's a part of who you are. It's funny actually, because I, I wanted to see if I could go undercover without, like if people would <laughs> notice me or not. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, my girlfriend and I went up to a cottage and uh, before we left, I was ready for camping, like, we're not camping, but you know, for, for up north weekend, I'm thinking I'm not gonna do my hair or anything like that. So I kept my hair down, threw a hat on. You know, I, I was wearing something similar to this, but with shorts on. Yep. Nothing to give away that it's me, no black sheep logos, yep. no hair. <laughs> and I even, and because it's COVID, I had a mask on and I was in the grocery store and I, to my surprise, someone was like, hey, Lucas. No I'm like, way. no, <laughs> I thought like if, if shit hits the fan and I need to hide, yep. I thought for this sure I shaved my head and no one will know it's me, but I'm screwed. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that that has, you know, that uh, confidence that you were lacking as a kid has turned into a passion Absolutely. and a career and you can now help other people with that. Yep. My dad noticed that in myself also because he owns the bakery next door and I've always been around the bakery business. And so I was just awful at it. I was not a good baker. And my dad knew that I was shy. I was quiet. So how else to get me more confident than to push me into the store and sell things? Absolutely. So you've got people that are kind of broken English and, you know, I'm trying to get them to to buy a loaf of bread or tell them, oh, the prices went up 10 cents and they yep. start yelling at you. It really forces you to learn your social skills and, and feel more comfortable. And a uh, couple of years of working in the storefront, I was chatty and social and enjoyed people, which was something I didn't two or three years prior. Yep. So he had me doing that from basically eight to 11, just casually. And then once I turned 11 or 12, I started actually doing it full time with him. Child labor laws, but <laughs> they don't apply to Italians. They don't apply to, it really doesn't. <laughs> I was gonna say that. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was life-changing. And then I think the biggest change after that was music because yep. once you start playing on stage, even though I was a drummer and in the back of the stage, I now fell in love with the attention. So I'm like, how can I get people to pay attention to me? So I start doing, you know, stick tricks yep. and, and try to be more showy, which is then the hair comes, then jewelry, then tattoos, yep. then, you know, like wristbands and spikes sticking out of everything fog shows, light shows, trying to do whatever I could to get noticed on stage. And then this way, when I was off stage, I felt like it filled that void. I didn't need to Absolutely. demand attention yep. off of, uh, off a of stage, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's so great. Yeah. I love music. What a great outlet in a way of expression. And you have a big, you have a big love of music. <laughs> I love music. Electronic music. Oh yeah. God. Honestly, it's electronic music probably, um, sparked in the last two years, I would say. Um, but my, like love will always be like soul music and like bluesy R&B vibe. Um, the older I get and the more I enjoy festivals and music that goes, you know, from a certain time to a certain time, the more I adapted my love for electronic and house music and all of those things. But I, apart from country, I will say, and I don't mean to offend anyone, <laughs> there's very few gender, like genres that I don't love. Like I love music in general. I love the live. I mean, whenever we get back to it, but I love being in live entertainment and just watching how individuals find a purpose with just like their voice mm -hmm. or, you know, their hands playing an instrument. And I just, I'm so empowered by the arts in general, and I, it's so incredible. I've seen Nickelback three times. So <laughs> I love you, that. It's okay, but talking about offending people with music, I do it I every love time Nickelback. I talk about it. 
<laughs> honestly, I understand why they get the hate sometimes because yeah. it, it is some of their stuff's a bit cringy. But the, the lyrics some of are the, on point. Some always. of the best live performers I've ever seen, and I I've seen it. everything. I've seen everything from metal to jazz to some weird, uh, like backroom. Uh, folk music yep. and stuff like that. I've seen everything. And Nickelback, one of the best shows I've ever I seen. I love so. that. So don't hate me for that either. <laughs> I will never. I love Nickelback. <laughs> no, crazy. Um, so that's one thing I want to focus on now is your social media game. Yep. So one of the main reasons why, of course, I thought of you and I had other people ask you, but one of the reasons why I wanted to be right now is because my mom is one of your biggest fans and you don't no even way. know who she is. No. And that's, so she's like, you have to have Natalie come on your podcast. Oh my God. She's going to hate me that I'm telling her. I'm so flattered. Hi, mom. <laughs> and it's funny because she's like, I just love how she mixes like her passion with like her hobbies because yep. you do post about your some of your personal life yep. on your business pages and you'll show that you're going to these concerts. Yep. Obviously, none of that's happening right now right but I think it it's part of your personality and you, it's kind of this open door or I should say more of an open window so yep. people can see into your Absolutely. life and you know that yes it's a business yes you need to make money but at the end of the day it's something you love and you care Absolutely. about and it's part of your soul you yep. know Absolutely. so how much of a, a part has that played do you think about that actively when you post or is that yeah. one of those things that just happens naturally so um prior to opening my business I didn't even have Instagram like I didn't have anything I was new from California like all my friends had been away from college and so I'm like how can I post this haircut I did like where do I post it so it originally started on Facebook just doing like a few Facebook lives and then I translated myself into the Instagram world and originally it just started for the first year I was posting like my before and afters or the during um during procedures, um, you should say, like during the haircut. And then it wasn't until I started working for John Paul Mitchell Systems, being an educator for them, that when they met me, they're like, we don't even know what you look like because you only post hair photos. So we would love if you could just, you know, put a face to the person behind the chair, like give someone, give people more purpose to come and talk to you, make them feel more comfortable because it is a very fearful environment. I would say the beauty industry going into a salon and wanting to transform yourself. And Personally, I would find it a lot more enjoyable if I knew, you know, the person was cutting my hair, enjoyed music, or they go to concerts, or we have the same taste in something. Mm -hmm. Because then I can find a mutual common ground of what we can talk about for the a next bit five of an hours. Too, exactly, right? and it's an icebreaker, right? And I would say I'm an extrovert in a work environment, in a social environment. I'm very introvert, which is crazy to think about. And so taking before and after pictures and hiding behind the chairs was something that I pride myself on for such a long time. And then when I started looking at my students and observing them and finding so many similarity things, I'm like, well, why don't I just post about this? Like people asked how that concert was in my, or people asked about that Airbnb I went to. Why didn't I just post a picture of the, the scenery that I got to see and all of these things. And so it was difficult at first to kind of show my insides instead of just showing the work that I was doing and when I was realizing how much it resonated with people I'm like why not mm -hmm. if I'm going to tell people to be who they are I should do the same as well and so now I would say it's a lot more natural to just post a selfie or post something or post an outfit which is so crazy to me that people just find you know you post a picture of your pants and they're like where did you get it and it starts a conversation or for me I really enjoy thrifting so posting thrift finds is another way to do an outreach for community and 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 things like that and so and same with posting Posting videos from from concert, it starts that communic that communication of oh wow you like EDM or you like folk music or you like this. It's just a topic of conversation that you're already aware of before even having to ask. Mm -hmm. And I I think for introverts.
introverts like myself in a social setting, it kind of is the icebreaker. I don't have to sit and tell you about my life. You see it if you follow me and I am who I say I am. And it's not just about hair. And I think that was a really big lesson for me with social media is as much as people want to see the before and afters, they want to see how I work, what I do, who I am behind the chair and who Natalie is. And I think that's also what brings the clients that I love and the guests I love most is because they know who I am when they come here mm -hmm. and we don't have to have that discussion. We just have that common ground. And so it's a lot more easier now than it was before. It kind of is just kind of like breathing at this point, like just post a before and after, post this coffee that I'm enjoying. And mm -hmm. it just sparks a, a conversation that maybe would have never came about if I didn't do that. So I'm really grateful for social media. Um, I know that I would not have the following I did now if I didn't post because, you know, you can't just go door to door anymore and show people what you're doing. You could, but they yeah, think you're weird. Exactly, especially <laughs> now of all times. And so it's been great. Social media has been a great asset. I'm honestly forever learning. I'm getting on trend now with posting videos now that I've become a virtual teacher. And so it's with social media, there's always comfort zones that will push you beyond your boundaries, whether it be posting a selfie or posting a video of you making coffee or something. Mm -hmm. You're letting someone into your life and it's not specific people, it's a general following, especially if you're not private or your your business is, is um, adheres to a, a general public. And so I enjoy it, I enjoy it a lot more now. It's constantly putting me, um, in positions to reach outside my box and learn new things and social media would have never been um, like a, a tool that I think that I would have access to mm -hmm. until you really dive in and you post your pictures or you post things that maybe you wouldn't have before and at least now when people come to the salon they know who Natalie is they don't just know oh it's this picture I don't know who did this but this is who I want they know mm -hmm. the face behind the chair and that was a learning curve for me but now I'm just so grateful that I've, I've reached that that's an important yeah. lesson for a lot of new people I shouldn't say new to business but definitely new new to marketing, yes. uh, new to promoting their business or their product or their service, whatever they're, they're doing, um, is that it's, it doesn't always come naturally. Yes. Most of the time it doesn't. And even if it does come naturally, before you really figure out your groove and it, it takes practice. Right. And, you know, I thought I was a natural because I'd been kind of in the spotlight before with music and things. So I thought, yeah, I've done interviews. I've done yeah. social media. This is easy. And I, because we hit our five year anniversary a couple weeks ago, Yay. thank you. Um, we, I was looking back at videos and pictures yep. of like when we first opened, just kind of uh, reminiscing and, and enjoying the journey. process. But then I'm looking at these videos, I'm like, oh my God, I was crap at this. <laughs> I was awful. And it's so cringy. But then, like, you, you'll look at the engagement and people are Absolutely. excited about it because they, they don't want to see perfect right off the bat because then it feels manufactured, you know? Yep. Especially when you're small. If you're McDonald's, it's a, it's a different story. But right. When you're a small business, people want to see, hey, young Natalie, young Lucas, yep. here's where they started and look at how Absolutely. much they've grown. Absolutely. And people can feel a part of that as yep. if they've helped to build something, which, which really they, they have. have. Yep. I mean, big time, especially in our types of business, yep. which are our service-based industries. You have people who, you know, came in first day with us and they're eating risotto on paper plates, which is a complete <laughs> faux pas. Yeah. Do not ever do that. <laughs> But now they're coming today and they're eating a muffled on focaccia and this thing looks like mm. a work of art. And it's the same price. Yep. It's just as good, if not better. Uh, and how did that happen? It's because they trusted us from the beginning. Absolutely. They knew that we weren't trying to give them something that was stupid like risotto on, on uh, paper plates. They knew that, okay, this is all they can do currently. And, you know, but they, the right intentions are there. So they support us. Two years later, it's better. Two Absolutely. more years and then obviously one more following that. 
but yeah, it's, it's a huge learning curve. Even with this, this podcast with when COVID happened, we stopped and we were doing it in my office and I liked the format of it. Uh, but I noticed that people were saying, well, it's not long enough, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. You can't, if you get into a topic, we'd already be done. If right. this was the old po- podcast, exactly. we didn't get too much meat and in potatoes. Depth. We're starting to get to it now. Right. So it takes some time to really get comfortable with one yep. another. And so if I never looked back and never thought, okay, that wasn't right. This is better now. It's all a process in a learning Absolutely. curve, right? So. And I, I think it's great that you're, even if it was just, you know, the five years, let's reflect back on what we've done. I think it's just so empowering. And I do the same too. Like when I look back at my Facebook live videos of like me promoting our page and the staff, I was like, wow, I'm so cringy. I look so awkward. How did anyone ever even show up after seeing this video? But now I look back and I'm like, wow, the growth that I have mm-hmm. made in the last four years and how empowering is it to see and visually be aware of your self-growth. Because if I never watched that video, I would literally be thinking I've been this great all along, right? And it it humbles you. It allows you to see that you really did start from a small beginning Mm -hmm. and you grew this incredible business that you worked so hard for. And it it is so important to give credit where it's owed, especially when it's yourself, and to give yourself that self-love of realizing like, wow, five years ago, we really did start from scratch. And five years ago, you know, I wasn't the outgoing and expressive person that I am. It took five years to build who I am Mm -hmm. now. And so it's so important to reflect on that and realize that growth in the journey that you went about so that's such a great point it's true and you and i started at almost the same yes, time yeah so i remember because we uh for people that are watching this or hearing this they may not know the relationship between us we are obviously don't know each other that well yep but we've known each other because of mutual friends yep. and we've ended up at the same concerts at the same yes. bars at the same events that kind of thing so over the years we've had some time to talk a few a few times and i found it interesting how many similarities that we had Absolutely. and we were both very young yep. uh, starting our businesses and so that was we ended up kind of being on the same networks talking about being young in business and i i know that the sentiment were kind of similar but one thing uh, I want to figure out is how did you get wound up with Paul Mitchell because I know that that's a whole other world absolutely I've been to so my dad's uh, my dad's ex-girlfriend they were together for a number of years Um, she was a hairdresser hairstylist and uh, she was big into going to the conventions and so I went to two or three of them in Toronto and it is crazy like hair conventions that people are wild like they're insane so (laughs) Like, I, I know that that world is a completely different animal. It's yep. it's not just working in your own community. It's this whole beauty community on a national, international level. Products compete. And so you can't use some products in the same shop and, and have another product because it's, you kind of have to be exclusive. I know exactly. Paul Mitchell is like that, right? Yep, yep. So how did you get uh, connected with those guys? And, and then how did you get to the point where now you're teaching with them? So um, like I said, we've been open for four years. And the first two years, we were um, really not experimenting with product, but introducing a, a more variety of product. Mm-hmm. Um, all, of course, being cruelty-free, vegan-friendly, and somewhat local or Canadian distributed. And so two years into my business, I've now established, you know, a profile or a um, portfolio for myself on social media. And I received a message from a lovely girl named Jen. Thank you, Jen. I have to give her a shout out because yeah, thanks, Jen, Um, because I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for Jen. And so she reached out to me. I had a distributor reach out and say, you know, have you thought about Paul Mitchell? Have you thought about looking into the products? And Genuinely, I, I've heard about Paul Mitchell. They've been around for 40 years. I've, I've never had the pleasure and honor of working with anything from Paul Mitchell. And so the distributor came by and 
he had said, James had said, why don't I just bring Jen by and have her talk to you about Paul Mitchell, have her talk to you about the product. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, you can talk to her about it and take it from there. And so I sat down with Jen for an hour and we hadn't even spoken about the product. We spoke about the culture of Paul Mitchell. And she sat down, she told me that she had been a fan of mine and had seen my before and after photos and told me that, you know, you would be such... Um, such a creative change for this industry and, and for this company. And so I think that you should take a second and go to this. It was called Hairfest at the time. So I, just go to this education platform that we have in Toronto, sit down, see the artists working with, you know, the products, get familiarized with it. And the great thing about Paul Mitchell culture that really opened up my eyes is that every product in the entire Paul Mitchell brand is made with integrity and purpose so for example they have a, a tea tree line and every bottle they sell from tea tree plants a tree anywhere in the world and so it really um diminish or banishes the carbon footprint of mm -hmm. making the product and you get to see for yourself writing in that code where you plant it where it goes what it does how it reduces the carbon monoxide and then they've got a line um called neon that um proceeds go towards um, bullying. And whenever they get a message about anything that they can be impactful on, they create a whole new line to help with that. And so same with when COVID hit, not to bring it back to COVID, but they opened up their warehouses to making sanita uh, sanitary, like hand sanitizer for people, shipped it out internationally for frontline workers. And cool. they're always doing something to impact the environment. Um, and, and that just really just scratches the surface because they're a professional brand that's meant for professional people. Mm. And so like I could call them tomorrow and say, I'm having a problem with this. How can we go about it in the industry? How can we go about it within the company? And they'll find me like five different options of what we can do for this. And so the support, the culture, the fact that they're vegan friendly and cruelty free and reduce their carbon monoxide, all of these things. I was like, okay, let me just give it a chance. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's not a coincidence that she's sitting in my chair and we're talking about this and, and it's resonating. I remember just feeling so emotional, like this is exactly what I want. I always wanted to find a brand that I can stand behind the bottle and say like, sure, it smells good, but it's going to work from the inside out and it's going to do exactly what you want. And so that's another thing with product that I feel like we always gravitate towards like what bottle looks good and like mm -hmm. what product smells best, but it's not necessarily what's best for your hair. And so I went and I sat into this auditorium. I had my Steve Urkel glasses on and a bunch <laughs> of notepads. And I just remember like wiping my eyes every hour from just tearing up from how impactful these like the stage performance was of just these hairstylists that have mm -hmm. become international educators that are teaching me something that maybe I knew, but I needed the ins and outs of how to do it better, or I needed uh, you know, a different technique to execute it a lot, a lot better for myself. And so after that day, I called Jen and I was like, how do I be a part of this team? What, what can I do more of? And she's like, I think you would be an incredible educator. And my entire life, I've always wanted to educate because I've struggled so much with my speech. I was like, maybe, and I, I used to write a lot of poetry in high school. I used mm -hmm. to be a really emo, sad, child and Don't so just the emos. right I used to write a lot of dark poetry um as a as a young teen and so I used to love expressing myself on paper and I was like maybe I'll be an English teacher maybe I'll help people with scripts um I'm so happy I didn't go with that but um it, it sparked the the idea of being an educator and going far beyond just behind the chair and really helping other people. And I've always been like this, like when it comes to hearing about a new product or hearing about a deal that's being released or hearing about, you know, so-and-so just posted a video on how to do a new set of highlights. If I find it was educa educational for myself, I will most likely send that to 10 other hairstylists, whether it be in the region, across the world, because if I find that it's knowledge is power and sharing really is caring and it doesn't do much if you harbor all your knowledge to yourself, it does mm -hmm. nothing for you. And so when I received, you know, the offer to become an educator, 
educator. I was just so floored and it's been two years in the making. Um, and so last year I was, I like to say crowned an, uh, a national educator for John Paul Mitchell Systems. And so I've had the honor of flying back to um, California, which has always been my dream to go, be forced to go back out there for work. Mm -hmm. So about two to three times a year I get sent to California, I learn a bunch of new knowledge, learn about new products that's being released, learn about new t techniques to teach. And um, and then I fly back and I teach it all throughout Ontario, so cool. which is so, 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 so incredible. And I remember being that person sitting in the auditorium writing 8 million sheets. So when I get to sit there and I get to see what I do from just an hour of class and see what what it how it impacts people and having people tag me and the things that they've learned from me. And, and now that I've built a name for myself, I've been really thankful enough that Paul Mitchell will send me, um, you know, an idea like we want you to show us how to do a blonding technique and we want you to submit it by this day. And now it's going viral. We're posting it under Paul Mitchell educator under your name. And it's just it's so impactful and it's such an honor. And I'm just so grateful. So it really has been in the making for the last two years. So like I said, I'm a national educator for them. Um, all of the uh, products in our salon are Paul Mitchell Focus. So we have every line of Paul Mitchell that's vegan friendly, cruelty free. And I'm just so proud and honored to stand behind a company that really does care about their professionals, that really does care about what they put in their bottle to how they fabricate that bottle. And, and it's it's incredible. Like they've created an entire agriculture in Hawaii by creating an awupui line because the awupui flower is de like derived from Hawaii. So they find a way to create agricultures and create jobs for um, people in Hawaii and to create products that are all natural and it's just it's so it's such an honor to be a part of a company that encompasses and, and embodies who we are as as individuals. Yeah. And you're obviously very passionate. I'm about so it, passionate about it. <laughs> no, and uh, actually, my girlfriend and I use the tea tree line for right? you the little hair tree. I have on my head. But <laughs> it is it's cooling. It's right. Nice. It's I got love the eucalyptus. Like, yeah. Yeah. Tingles. Love it. <laughs> and a question. I, this is kind of off topic a little bit. Bring it on. Does Paul Mitchell like own Schwarzkopf? So Do that's they? a really good question. I, I think it's they... just Paul Mitchell. They they don't um they don't have any outskirts. It's just Paul Mitchell. They don't because have any sister stores. I didn't know stores. Tea Tree was Paul Mitchell until recently. Yep. Because it doesn't say it right front and center. It's right. like Tea Tree. Tea Tree is the main component. Yeah. Yep. So I wasn't sure if they do or not because yep. I'm trying like my entire life I've used the German same brand. wax, the same gel in my hair. Someone's got to Paul Mitchell's got to come up with something I can. We oh, I can show you some stuff. I'll show you right? some stuff. I'll send some stuff. Perfect. <laughs> Jen, you listen. We said Paul Mitchell like. 42 times. I think, I think you owe Natalie and I a check oh, here. Oh right? God, I love it. <laughs> if she listens to this, she's going to probably, oh, I'm sending it to her. I think don't she's going to fire you <laughs> or me. I don't know. I don't even work for her. I think I'm going to get fired, <laughs> but no, that's really cool. Um, so that's one thing. I think a lot of people who are getting started is they see something they're passionate about. Yes. And even if it's attainable for them immediately, like they, they can recognize that it's something they can go after they may not understand all of the opportunities that are available Absolutely. to them. And, the, and you shouldn't understand all of them until you start pursuing it. Uh, because even for myself, when I opened a coffee shop, I did it because, yes, I love coffee, but that wasn't the main reason. It was because I love coffee shops. Yep. I love hanging the out in cafes. I like the, the atmosphere. Absolutely. I like the dim lights and the coffee and the laptops and the yep. conversation and all that kind of stuff. And even just the sounds. It's a good place to write. That's something I've always enjoyed. It's like a creative lab. But when I was opening this place, I had no clue that two years, I could, was it two years? Two and a half, three years after I opened that I'd be in Nicaragua, like in the hills harvesting coffee That's with incredible. the farmers and the following year in Honduras. And 
every month or so talking with the, our farmers and suppliers and friends all across the world from Ethiopia to Zambia to all, to all different places around the world. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and this is something that I ended up falling in love with because I'm not someone who's ever cared about travel. I know yeah. like my brother, he's one of those guys where if he could, he'd be in somewhere else every yeah. day. And I never thought about that kind of thing until I had the opportunity to Absolutely. go. And now it's a yearly thing I get to do. Obviously not this year, but I'm able to go pretty much every late winter, early spring to Central or South America, starting to get opportunities to go to Africa and because of coffee and something yeah. that I'm passionate about. And same thing for yourself. You were in California, got into hair, now they're flying you back there. Yep. It's, it's such a cool thing that most people think, yeah, I want to do hair for a living. And then that's the end of it. Yep. They don't realize how many other opportunities Absolutely. could be available to Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so great too. Like, not that I ever thought you overlooked coffee, but it gives you a more profound love for what you're making mm. from this bean and where it comes from and how it came about. And I think that's so interesting to take that, you know, to evolve with every year. Like, what can we do more with, you know, the coffee that we sell or the coffee that we make? How can we get our hands deeper in the dirt or deeper in the soil or what more yeah. can we do? And so that's so incredible. And I feel like not a lot of people do that. So that's awesome. It gives no, you a more a profound love for it. For sure. And, you know, I had this conversation with someone recently about, you know, there's a crowd. You have to know your audience because not yep. everybody wants to know about exactly how it got yeah. from point A to B. <laughs> They're just like, OK, black coffee, please. Just give it uh, to did me. Did you know that it's this high? <laughs> off? OK, they don't care. But, yeah, know it, knowing your audience is, is important. For someone who wants to get into the beauty world, yep. there are obviously some common things that are easy to do and common things that are difficult to do. What, what's a piece of advice you'd give them if they're just getting started? Because um, I know hair and tattooing are very similar uh, industries. There's, there can be a lot of cattiness between tattoo Absolutely. artists. The same thing happens with hairstylists. Yep. Um, it's, you know, vanity forward. Um, there's all sorts of like apprenticeships are important and sometimes they're skipped over. Yep. So what, what's something that you'd tell someone who's never cut hair before and wants to how, how would you tell them to get started so that's a really good question and I feel like this is so um not cliche but genuinely in an industry that is just so broad like the beauty industry and the beauty industry is all over the world there's no part of the world that you could say that it doesn't apply to that region mm -hmm. I always just say be yourself because there really is only you like you're the only you that's ever been made and so for myself that really is what I pride myself on because I'm so inclusive it, it shines through my work and I think that if I wasn't I maybe wouldn't be as um I wouldn't be where I am today and I think that you know and especially when it comes to hair, we're always so quick to tell people, are you a hairstylist? Are you a hair cutter? Or are you a colorist? Like, what are you? Mm -hmm. And I think that once we categorize people to that, we've already created a plateau for them without even allowing them to learn the industry or learn their trade or learn who they want to be. And mm -hmm. so I always tell people, be who you are, go into the industry, submerge yourself in it. If you're unsure that you want to take school from it, go talk to a local hairstylist or your personal hairstylist. Mm -hmm. Ask them if you can spend a day shadowing them. And that's something that I love to do. It gives people an inside world that I never had the opportunity to do. And so I always say, be yourself, try everything, try color, get your hands in the scissors, get your hands in the shears. And if hair cutting isn't for you, then that doesn't mean hair isn't for you. Maybe you're more of a colorist than you are a hair cutter, or maybe you like everything mm -hmm. and you need to be in an environment that welcomes that and encourages that growth. And so another thing about being new is never stop learning. Like I, like I said, I've been in the industry 10 years now and whether being COVID or outside of COVID, I always make it 
a point to study once a month on a new technique or mm. once a month on a new product that's being released that that I can um, encourage my guests for what's best for them. And so if you're new to the industry, if you're thinking about the industry, submerge yourself, watch videos, um, inspire yourself with people that move you. Like we're so fortunate now that we have the gram and we have Pinterest the and we gram. have all of these things, right? We have all of these things that we could just click or TikTok and watch a two second video. Are and, you doing TikTok? I've never been on TikTok. It's so funny because Andrea did a TikTok video recently when I did her hair mm -hmm. and I was like, dude, this video took you two seconds and my two minute video that I had to make for my students took me five days to like voice over find glitches like edit transitions do all of these things and I mean not that I was ever against it but I always found it foolish like anytime spend on your phone too much on your phone watching other people isn't necessarily all that great mm -hmm. and so when she showed me just like fabricating a video literally three seconds I was like you know what this is something that I should get on and so I, I haven't been on it but I would like to get myself on there yeah I think you and I are similar when it comes to stuff like that I already talked about this on the last episode so I don't want to get too deep into it but whenever it's like this, where it's like I press record and I'm having a conversation yep. with a guest, easy. So Even if easy. I make mistakes, I don't second guess myself because yep. it's a conversation. If you had to listen back to every conversation you have, you're going to stumble a little bit. Absolutely. You're going to get lost in thought or whatever. What Something's going to happen. But whenever I'm doing like a promo for the podcast or for the Black Sheep where it's just me and a camera, I freeze up. I'm the same I, way. I'm so self-conscious about yep. everything and I'm like redoing it. Yep. It's the worst. I, I literally said, hi, my name is Natalie, national educator for John Paul Mitchell. I recorded it 12 <laughs> times and by the 12th time I forgot my name like I was like what is going on I've had the same name for like 27 years I'm Catalina Russo yeah. <laughs> but it is it's 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 one of those things and like dare to be different dare to be yourself dare to submerge yourself in TikTok if it's not the norm for you and mm. you think that maybe it will encourage more growth within making videos or within being virtual because that's what I mean, that's what the world is pushing us to be right now is more yeah. virtual, right? Less contact, less intimacy. And so dare to be different, dare to be yourself, mm -hmm. dare to try 8 million and one things and to not put yourself in a box. Like if hair is even something that you've given a thought for a moment, encourage that thought, encourage that growth and that learning because so many people need to be themselves within an industry that is trying so desperately to make them someone they're not. Absolutely. And it's funny, I kick myself in the ass all the time about TikTok because one of the biggest... I shouldn't say one of the biggest, but definitely one of the most popular accounts on TikTok is Morgan Drinks Coffee. Stop. And this this woman, she does a great job just talking about what it's like to be in a coffee shop no every day. No way. And she kills it. And I'm like, oh, I could have been doing this and have <laughs> For, 12 million right? followers and like selling 10,000 units of coffee online. And now I'm like, now I'll just so be a poser funny. if I try to do what she's doing. So. It's so funny because like even for hairstyling, like you, you can't just be a hairstylist if you own a business. You got to be a photographer. You got to be a spokesperson. You have to be a marketer. You have to be a web designer. Like there's so many things and hats that you have to fall under, especially if you're like me and you like things done a certain way. Like I would genuinely rather do something 18 times and learn by the 18th time and know for the next time what, what I can improve on than to just be like, let me just have you do it and then we'll, we'll put it together, right? So like, as a business owner. Yep. What is your favorite and least favorite thing about being a business owner? Oh, goodness. Because you just, you had said that and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think that's the perfect segue because I know, I'll give you an example. For myself, 
Um, people are my favorite and least favorite part about 100%. owning a business. Absolutely. Is that similar for you? Yes. That's, that, you know what? It is very similar because... People, not necessarily customers, because I, I think that's a, a, an important distinction because I'm not... I'm just saying people in general. It could be yeah. uh, it could be clients. It could be wholesale partners. could be customers. could be staff. But it's just a, an accumulation of the... It's a generalization. It's people in general. Yep. I find are the best part and the worst part of my job. Yeah. I, I would say like people's and opinions, right? Yeah. And like for me, like I really went about opening my business in such a unique way. I'm the first person in my entire family to open a business. I came from, you know, Italian immigrants that they really push for me to just own something and be my own person. And, and if I didn't find myself suited in an environment, create that environment for yourself. And so um, going into business, I've always had the mindset of live and learn, learn from your mistakes, just do it because, you know, I could call up this person that's in business and say like, oh, what, what did you encounter when it came to this? But it's not necessarily going to um, reflect what my business is or how I should go about it. And so the opinions of others and like my guests and making them happy are my number one favorite thing to do, like to, mm -hmm. That's my pro for sure. And I think the con would be the opinions of others, especially right now when it comes to like COVID and what is right and what is wrong and what's mandated and what's protocols and what's, and so like the opinions of offending other people when simply doing my job. And I feel like that's just so easy nowadays to do too. Mm -hmm. um, and like, like we said in the beginning of, of being a safe space and inclusivity, sometimes people think that, you know, that sections you off for strictly LGBTQ or it's like strictly this thing. And so the opinions of others are, are something that I reflect on far too often as a business owner that I think that if I learned a little bit more to put it in the background I might push myself to do more things and so I think that goes with every business right like people are always gonna talk about your business about how you're doing business if you're doing it well or if you're doing it wrong and you could be the most successful person and someone's always gonna find something to um, lower it um, in a way and so I would say like people and opinions um, and I would say like the accounting and the numbers <laughs> of everything is a learning experience for me <laughs> that's why I have accountants because right? I am <laughs> awful at it and even with accountants they're like yelling at me to give them Do stuff more. I'm like I same I'm so bad I just died. <laughs> So that's definitely something I work on because I'm horrible at right? it. Right, and we're not mathematicians. Like, we don't know this stuff. I was actually supposed to be an accountant. No! <laughs> that's the worst part. Like, my guidance counselor, which tells you how useless that job is. They, we will never have a guidance counselor on this podcast because you have a useless job <laughs> lying <laughs> to children about their future. How dare you? Guiding them falsely. Yeah, like, oh, you're you're 17? I know exactly how your life's going to be. No, yep. I stupid agree. job. I agree with that. Anyway. Stupid opinion from a stupid job <laughs> said, Lucas, you and your spiky head, you should be a, an accountant. And so literally, look at I, me now. I applied to McMaster for accounting and I'm like, I got accepted. I'm like, why? I'm not. No way. I, just before I was about to accept it, I'm like, why am I accepting this? And I'm like, I don't want to be an accountant. As much as I'm good at math, I don't enjoy it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's got to be the, the main. Absolutely. I shouldn't say the main focus. It has to be almost tied with the main focus, has which importance. has to be making money. Because yep. at the end of the day, I Absolutely mean, if you business. have no money, you have no business. Yep. And that's that's just how it works. And uh, But yeah, so don't don't ever be a guidance counselor. That's my only <laughs> guidance. Just don't have, and if you are a guidance counselor, I don't hate you. I hate your job. Yep. You, now It's never too late to change. <laughs> Listen, Natalie's been inspirational. You can be a hairdresser. You can be a hairstylist. You go meet Paul Mitchell. There go, you go. You know, go to California. <laughs> be an accountant. Who cares? Yeah, be an accountant. And because Nicole, Jarrett, Tony, thank you for doing what you do i appreciate it <laughs> thank they actually text me today for stuff that i needed to provide yep, for them so same. thank you for doing I got that. a reminder <laughs> but yeah i i think it's important um to never limit yourself that's what screws our whole our whole education system is backwards it's 
figure out what you want to do, and then go get an education to do it. That works for traditional Absolutely. jobs. Yep. Like if you want to be an accountant, that, of course that makes sense. If you wake up every morning and dream of spreadsheets, then yeah, go go get your degree, yep. open your, your account, uh, your um, your business, you know, get your CPA, you know, do all that, do what you have to do. Same thing if you want to be a nurse, like my girlfriend's a nurse, you should probably be educated if you want to start doing wound care and shit like that. But you know, for someone like me who wants to be a business owner, no shot at people who go to business school, but like that, if you think about how many different types of businesses there are, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to say, okay, we have 4,000 people a year Uh who take this program. 4,000 different businesses, giving them the same recipe for success. Absolutely. I don't know if that works. Yep. And it may, it, it, I'm sure it gives you a good foundation, teaches you about marketing, it teaches you about, about having accountants and ha- all these basic business things. But for me, being a coffee shop owner, there's 11 coffee, there's 11 places that sell coffee and advertise selling coffee on my street. Wow. Right? So why would you ever open one? If you were to go by numbers, by statistics, it would be a dumb thing to do. Right. But here we are five years later and growing every year and we've been leading in the specialty coffee world. And the reason for that is because I paid no regard at all to that stuff. Absolutely. I'm, I'm saying no one's doing what I'm doing. Yep. Uh, and not, not to toot horns. It's just, and I'm not saying it's the best way to do it. It's just the best way for me to do it. Right. And that's why it works. And I, I think you have to have a little bit of the realism, but then at the same time, you have to be, you have to stay true to yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And mm. you're right. Like, of course, number one thing in business is you're making money. But I think the second most important thing about, well, th- even if you don't own a business and the most important thing about, like we said, banishing the guidance counselor <laughs> and what, and what's next. Like, I think it is so important to do what you love most because mm. then it's not just job, it's a life purpose. And that's what it was for me for here. Of course, it's so important that I have a successful business and that I'm making money, but all the more special that I love what I do. And I didn't just settle and do an accountant because I'm good at math or because I know it'll pay the bills. Like, I think that's like another thing that we always struggle with is, you know, houses are expensive, like equity, all these things. Like we have so many steps in life that old um, traditions tell us puts us on the track to success, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're 27, you're not married. Are you really successful? And all of these things. And I think that if we live the life that we are going to be proud of now actively, then that's what we should build our success on. You know, like don't just do what you think is going to pay the bills and you think is going to stick around and be on trend five years from now. Do what makes you happy because waking up and working nine to nine or nine to five is only easier if you feel you have a purpose. Mm -hmm. It makes it more dreadful when you're waking up at eight o'clock or 830 to do something that you feel is unpleasant for 12 hours a day or five hours a day. And I think a lot of that, you know, comes from what, why I was hating so hard on the guidance counselor is because I think that applies to all sorts of different people. There's always going to be people coming up to you and saying, you know what, this is the way you should live your yep. life and this is the way you should live your life. Maybe they're telling you the truth, but the way I look at it is if the person giving you that advice is not one, living by it yep. and two, isn't actually happy, they're miserable, why would you take, take their advice? advice? Exactly. Like, do you, do you think someone who lies to children for a living is happy <laughs> at home? No, they're, they're not happy at right. all. And, and that's the thing, right? It, for me, all of my biggest inspirations in life, like people, mentors, they've all been people who not, not only practice what they preach, but they're genuinely happy. Yep, they and not saying it. they don't have unhappy moments because everyone does. Yep. I sometimes will close up the shop and say, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, yep. So much work, it's blah, 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 whatever. Yep. But as long as you don't stay there, right? Yep. Like the people that, yes. that can get out of that and they're 
for the most part, happy people. Yeah. I will take what they have to say to heart a little bit more than someone who's just throwing, you know, advice at me and has no intention on applying it to their own life. Yep. You know, I think so many people get stuck because they're told to be stuck, their parents were stuck, their grandparents yep. were stuck, and they feel like they have to stay there. And not saying that it isn't difficult, of course, it's one of the hardest changes you have to make in your life to do that 180, to do that pivot, to break the chain, to break that cycle of parent to child, and then eventually you're gonna have your own child and they're gonna, you know, maybe stay in the same trajectory. But if you're the one to make that difficult transition and take life by the reins and make it your bitch, yep. then your kid's probably going to be more likely to do that also. Absolutely. So then you just made your whole family lineage's life so much easier. Yep, you know? 100%. And Crazy. I always say the same thing too when it comes from like, you know, when you have those days where you close up and you're like, what am I doing? I always tell people like, that thought is your mind and your body telling you you want more for yourself and yeah. so when things like that happen I always tell myself like start a fire don't pitch a tent like you're not here yeah. forever you're here to reflect on why you're feeling this way how you can prevent feeling this way more often mm -hmm. and like it just means you want more right I think that if you're going your entire life at a steady pace of happy good for you but you're probably not real <laughs> right like having those moments of like what am I doing I think I want more for myself or will I be happy with this my whole life and what type of legacy am I leaving leaving behind and and like those hard-working instilled mindset lead people like us to own the businesses that we do from having strong parents that you know came from nothing that, that built mm -hmm. this entire foundation made up like steel and bricks of like a solid foundation of like this is what you could be and this is what I'm gonna do to support you your entire life because I've shown you that I can do it mm-hmm absolutely uh Amazing way to end this off. We're pretty much at an hour right on the nose, Yay. which is pretty amazing. So, of course, the floor is yours. Let people know what you're up to, how long. You're probably like 100 months in advance for booking right now. But uh, website, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Where, where can people find you? Awesome. So my personal handle is Nat Caruso. Um, the one for the salon is littleshopofbeauty.niagara, which is also the link for our website. Um, you can go on our website, you can find our products. There's a really cool bio of all of um, our lovely team that's on there talking about how it brought them to the business, how they've grown within the business and what sort of um, services that they offer. And so that's pretty unique about our website. We've also gone ahead and added all of our products on our website, which is no longer being sold in the salon due to COVID, of course. Smart. Um, but we have opened up a little plant shop within our salon, which is really cool. So if you enjoy plants, if you like supporting local farmers and garden houses, we've Where got- Where do you get it from? So so um, we get them from local gardeners. We look on um, Marketplace and on Facebook, see local farmers that are growing them either in their yard or their greenhouses from really here to, I would say, Toronto. Cool. And so we like to say that we save the plants because oftentimes they're not always in the best conditions. And so we replant them in um, recycled goods. So cans, coffee cans, cool. um, or thrift finds that we find local. So everything is bought local. We really, really wanted to put something on the shelves that um, would help the community in such a dark time. And so we have a little business called Root Related that I started with my cousin within Sweet. Little Shop of Beauty. We're also on Instagram. And yes, so my next booking would be October. So I'm booked out a month in advance. Mm -hmm. um, everything can be booked over the phone. So 289-292-3700. Um, oh, yeah. Or, yeah, or you can reach out to us on our social media. So littleshopofbeauty.niagara and Nat Caruso. I love it. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> Thanks, me. Thanks, Lucas. It's been an absolute delight. <laughs> and we will see you guys next week. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Above the Mug. For more episodes, check us out at AboveTheMug.com. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review, comment, tag your friends. This way you're not the only person listening to this thing. We come up with a brand new podcast every Sunday at noon, so we'll see you next week on Above the Mug.